0: Hey everyone, Kristen Sinanta Walker here, and I've got one of the podcasters on our network and an amazing, amazing human being, my friend and colleague, Dr. Roberta Shaler. Roberta, thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Oh, I'm delighted to be here. It's wonderful to talk to you always.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Um, So I don't know why that brought such a giggle for me, but it was a happy giggle that you said something nice because I care about your opinion. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but we're going to talk about today communal narcissism. I don't. I mean, I know you talk about these things, but we haven't done a show on that, and I find it utterly fascinating. So, can you um, explain to our listeners what what that is?
1: Well, what it is it, that makes it different is these are people who continuously seek to validate their own self-perceived grandiosity or their esteem or their entitlement or their power. And they do it by focusing on promoting themselves through big stories about how committed they are, their good deeds, what they've done for the community, how wonderful they are, and that they're so tuned in that they can listen and connect And that's totally counterintuitive for narcissists, but that's what they do. And Mm -hmm. so these are people who regard themselves. Craig Malkin talks about this in Rethinking Narcissism. He says that they regard themselves as especially nurturing, understanding, and empathetic, and then they proudly announce, these are his words because I I grabbed them for you, (laughs) you proudly announce how much they give to charity or how little they spend on themselves, and then they trap you in a corner at a party and whisper excitedly about how thoughtful they've been to their grieving next door neighbor. Wow, that's me. I'm just a born listener. I'm so empathetic. I'm so compassionate. I'm so wonderful. And they believe, themselves better than the rest of humanity but they cherish their status here's the big difference they cherish their status status as givers not takers
0: okay i'm now feeling insecure about every time that i've said oh i did therapy dog stuff at hospitals and i (laughs) visited an elderly neighbor that um, yeah so I'm, i'm thinking about all the times that i've probably done that
1: well, I think that there is healthy narcissism of all kinds, mm. and we need to know that. You know, I call narcissists, psychopaths, antisocial histrionics, all of those people borderlines. I put them in the category of hijackers because they all drink from the same pool of traits. But when we are talking about communal narcissists, they're people, they're, they have a mission and they have a cause, and they make it clear that. Your life, yes, of course, you're petty and shallow and you don't have much time and I understand that, but them, they are deeply possessed of meaning and intent Mm -hmm. and they're wonderful and they're personally aggrandizing and they always want to win an award and and there's some terrible thing going on, right, that people don't get them. Right. And um, so so there's actually a communal narcissism inventory. You can look it up online and you'll find that. And, and it and contains some things like this. I mean, you want to test it out, Kristen, because you just asked yourself. <laughs> so, you know, I just brought it up on my screen and yeah, here's what it contains. It. OK, on a scale of one to seven, agree or, uh, one is strongly disagree, seven is strongly agree. This is how you find out if you have some tendencies toward communal narcissism. And I have to give credit to this person. Her name is Peg Streep at, at Psychology Today. She happened to post this so that I could quickly find it for you. <laughs> but here they are. Give yourself one to seven. I am the most helpful person I know. Oh, my God.
0: Okay. <laughs> I already know the answer. To it. it would be not none of those things. Yeah. Okay. I'm so going, this is someone who believes that this.
1: They believe this. If you're, if you're okay. Giving, yeah. I'm going to bring peace and justice to this world. Mm. I'm the best friend anybody could ever have. (laughs) I'll be well-known for the deeds I've done. I'm going to be the best parent on the planet. You know, of all the people I know, I'm the most caring. Oh, my God. I greatly enrich other people's lives by just being. (laughs) I bring freedom to people. I'm an amazing listener. I'm this. I'm adding this one. I'm the smartest person in the room. You know, <laughs> I will be able to solve world poverty. Um, I have a very positive influence on people. I am the most, remember these words like most, greatest, biggest, longest. Right. You heard these words other places, right? <laughs> yes, every day on the news. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> So I have a very positive influence on others.
0: I give I, myself an A plus for the for not being
1: one right yeah i am that's right i am an a plus and if there were a higher one i'd give myself that. that i i make the world a much more beautiful place i'm extraordinarily i mean listen to the adjectives and adverbs i am extraordinarily trustworthy i will be famous for increasing people's well-being okay These are the ways, you know, there were more people who ever did that because of me. We have the best of this because of me. We are the most revered because of me. I did it better than anybody else has ever done it, right? Hmm. This is communal narcissism.
0: Okay. I've certainly known people like that. And I think, I mean, I've known a few who certainly behave that way, but they know that that's not socially acceptable. And so they feign humility.
1: Oh yeah. They're good at that. And you know, they're kind of the people that we see as pillars of the community. Right. Uh, You know, and that gets into a really gray area for us because we, we think what they're doing is wonderful, but then they're a, ability to tell you how wonderful they are for doing it is a whole other matter. You know, so so this is the kind of thing that that we find in communal narcissism. And you know it's it's a person who defines him or herself through their actions that show them to be superior. Right? It's not just because I breathe and take up space I'm superior, but I can prove it because of my actions. Interesting. Yeah.
0: And social media is the perfect place to feed that kind of narcissism.
1: Oh, where else would you see people who tell these innocuous stories? Oh, I was in Starbucks and this happened. And then, you know, well, the only thing I could do was pay for the person. And, uh, <laughs> you know. and I'm like, okay, let me look at your feed. How often do you tell stories like that? Yeah, great. If if that's true and you did it once and you're just basking in the glow, of, oh, that felt good great that's healthy but if you're telling that story over and over not so healthy
0: right right yeah because i did i mean i'm so not on social media like i have been because i just don't care (laughs) i care enough to where you've got to play the game in order to promote your business and and to promote mental health and mental health discussions and so on but i just don't care personally about it um I, if I post something nine times out of 10, I'll go and delete it later because I'll think about what I posted and go, did I really need, like, what was the driver behind that? Did I really need to, what was the intention? And I'll go delete it. But I did the other day and this this did happen. I did run into someone and very sweet person and I'm going to visit, have visited them a few times and I posted something about it because I was in the back, I was glowing in the of. Oh my gosh, that felt so good but later i thought oh god get that off of your social media Are you trying to like talk about you're a saint or something
1: <laughs> well you know that that shows a degree of self-awareness that is wise but <laughs> but you may go too far because bending the twig the other way you know you do so much that's good and when we've been had having hijackals in our lives You know, like, what's the one thing a hijackal mother will say to her daughter with whom she's always competitive? Daughter will say, you know, I'd really like to do this. Mother says, who do you think you are?
0: Yeah.
1: Right? So when we get those messages a lot, when we actually are somebody and we're doing something, we always have that in the back
0: of our head, like, well, you should do more because who do you think you are? So true. Okay. Perfect example. When I was in a very toxic situation i i started in there and i was doing all these all this volunteer work i always have like i always have that's just part of my family not everybody in my family but like my grandmother was a big volunteer it just was part of what you do as you volunteer so i always did that and i did that when i went into this work situation and i was so gaslit and put down just like everybody else there that I went on like this extra campaign that I felt like I needed to prove that I really was a good person because they were in the beginning, they were like, oh my gosh, it's so great that you do this stuff. And then slowly the drip, drip, drip of rolling their eyes, making fun of me, saying Mm -hmm. what I did wasn't really worthwhile because that was their deal. They did it to everybody. So I did go on this couple year thing of, I have to, prove extra how good I actually am until my son looked at me one day and he goes, mom, you're just, you're not getting it. You do do these things. They don't. You don't need to prove how good you are. You already do these things. (laughs) And I, I like had to shift. I was still in the brainwash, you know, uh, cognitive dissonance, all that stuff stage. It took me a while to shift into, right. I came with this stuff. They made fun of it. That affected me to think this other way. And it took a while for me to shift that thinking back into, I don't have to prove myself to these people. They don't care anyway. Well, They do care because they want
1: to be just a little bit better than you. Right. (laughs) Right? Right. Because you joined our club and Mm -hmm. we were doing good. So when you come, we just want you to know you haven't been doing it very long, and maybe you don't really know what you're doing, or maybe your motives are suspect. So we'll just plant that little seed in your mind.
0: <laughs> While we advertise what you do in order to, all the good things you do in order to sell our product. That's,
1: exactly. That's
0: what they yeah. were doing. I, so let years us use later, your- Yeah. Okay. Years later, I was like, take pictures of my therapy dog off of your website. Mm. it's so disgusting that you if you want to go do that kind of work go do it for yourself and get your own dog it was it was nuts but it messes with your mind when you come from that kind of, Well, it messes with your mind period but especially for those of us that were raised by hijackles, because mm-hmm. like you were talking about earlier there's always that who do you think you are at any moment that you're actually just feeling good self-esteem
1: exactly Exactly. You don't even believe that you deserve to take up space and draw breath really at the bottom level. You know, that's one of the reasons that with my new membership thing, I took my, my groups off Facebook. I mean, they're still there, but I'm not paying attention in the way I was. Um, because I wanted to give people a really basic course. So I created this course, 21 Steps to Empowered Emotional Savvy. Because all those things that you were just talking about there... These are the little things that are tucked away in our head, waiting to jump out and sabotage us. Right. Right? They've been carefully tucked in there to make us second guess ourselves and question our sanity. And so we stay in the less than position because these little things pop out and say, oh no, don't you get bigger than your britches right and so we need to have overcoming abilities we need to have better self talk we need to be able to talk ourselves down when that kind of thing happens just like you were saying you did and this is essential for us because, of course, we want all kinds of wonderful people volunteering and helping and right. making things happen and bring about changes. But just like in every one of those organizations, in every church or spiritual organization, in every service organization, whether that's Lions or Rotary or Kinsman or whomever it is, you are going to have people who need to get their need to be needed met and their need to be in charge met and to have some power and some control and they're going to find some little ballywick that they think that they can control or Mm -hmm. take a a, what do you call those things a strata council for where you live you're going to find that one or two people that pop up now and again who are going to want to have ultimate power and control and so these are hijackal behaviors, and they come out, and they'll come out in every volunteer organization too. Yes.
0: Oh, my gosh, yes.
1: Right. And so if we've been triggered early in our life by having a parent who behaves that way or some early trauma, then we go into those places, and all they are is stand-in for our mother or our father or somebody <laughs> so, going, Who do you think you are? Right?
0: <laughs> so true. So true. The, the guy in the scenario was my mother. Mm hmm. Hands down. So you just have to know
1: how to smack them aside and say, thanks for sharing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly in, exactly. in your
1: head, you just say, I bless you and move
0: on. <laughs> and you know, the people that you can say these things to that don't. Because, listen, when we talk about traits and um, things that hijackals do, Everybody can have those traits. I know sometimes listeners, you're in that triggered state and you think, um, you know, you're in that state where every around every corner is a hijackle because you're really afraid of life because you've just been completely, you know, someone's tried to ravage your soul. That completely makes sense. But the reality is everyone can behave these ways. What makes it a, you know, chronic issue is you know when it becomes a personality, just a character disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, it's someone that doesn't learn. Oh, that that's not acceptable behavior. They don't have any shame. Um, you know, they're baby Huey um, is what yeah, I. Mean. Don't,
1: they don't have any empathy. Exactly. They're, you know, it's all about them. Dot com. Um, that's the distinction that I make, Kristen, between difficult people and relentlessly difficult people. Okay. Every one of us is someone's idea of a difficult person on some day. Right. right? That there's no question that we're going to be having a bad day or they're having a bad day, and ever perception is off the most, we're going to be the difficult one. Right. Um, but a relentlessly or chronically difficult person they're going to choose their target, their prey. I don't like to use the term victim. I think it's their prey, their unwitting prey. And they're going to choose that one person to hone in on and be always difficult, to always be toxic to that person, to always make that person second guess themselves and question their sanity. They'll gaslight them. They'll love bomb them. They'll discard them. They'll devalue them, they will do all of those things to that one person. And then they'll make that one person feel like, oh, I must be the most awful person on the planet. Why do they do that? What, what, what is that about? It's I've never about never anybody say that before. It's about needing power, status, and control. Okay. Here's an example. I fell prey to a hijackal well, I've done it more than once because if you're raised by hijackers, and I was raised by two of them, mm-hmm. I had a lot of unlearning to do. <laughs> but, yeah, you way. know, I look back on, on this guy and he, he wanted to marry me. And we had a big talk about that. And he said, I don't want you to change your name. And I said, Why? He said, No, I, I think, you know, we should be in this way that you don't change your name. So what I noticed was that when we go to an event, particularly a networking event, this is a guy who had a two-year AA degree. And we go to an event and he would say, I'd like you to meet my girlfriend, Dr. Roberta Shaler." Right. (laughs) Over and over. So he was borrowing my status. Mm. And so in borrowing that status so he could own it, he tried very hard to keep dragging me down, wearing me away tearing away bits of me. And I finally just looked at him and said, no, we're not going to do this anymore. Right? And that was that. But that's what happens to us if we don't wake up and smell the herbal tea and (laughs) say, I keep repeating these experiences. Maybe I should get some insights and help. I mean, that's what gets me up in the morning. That's what flips my boat and floats my or flips my skirt and floats my boat. It's what I'm passionate about is helping people see this, decide what
0: to do with it, and heal from it over time. But it's – okay, so let's look at a scenario. So you're in a situation, let's say it's a work situation, and the uh, narcissistic or the hijackal owner um, is – has targeted you. You're that one person you're talking about that they are the worst with. And they, they're awful in other ways to other people, but not like they are with you. Mm-hmm. See that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. That makes it very difficult for you to say, "Look at what they're doing. This is oh, inappropriate." That's the, that's the point.
1: That's yeah. the point. And here, here's what I say about that because you're describing this perfectly. Hijackles paint a public picture of perfection, and at home or in that one relationship, at work or friend or whatever they create a private place of pain. Mm. So the public picture of perfection in the office is, you know, I'm great every now and again. I slip up, but doesn't everybody. But to that one person that they are going to take down, discredit, um, lie about, do a smear campaign, make side remarks, um, endeavor to reduce their self-esteem, endeavor to deflate their self-confidence. It's like they've got that one person that's going to, that is paying the price for them being able to get up in the
0: morning. Mm. Wow. Well, I have been that one person. Um, I mean, it was to my parents, obviously, but I've been that one person um, to the point where I, the person really, I believe was, and I've heard other people say this too, a psychopath. Mm. Um, and that was fascinating because I'd been in those who hasn't been in a uncomfortable relationship with a difficult person? I mean, hello, it's part of the human experience. But when you meet that one that takes it to that extra level and you are a target for whatever reason, um, that's a whole other level of let me get to counseling.
1: <laughs> well, it is. And if you have a background of being with hijackles, you have a paradigm that you get into that relationship. But you are still, just as you were when you were a child, you were looking for the approval right. of your parent. So you think, okay, if I'm a better little girl, if I do this better, if I stay out of their way, if I'm less demanding, if I'm more patient, if I'm all these things, then the, those big people, those giants will love me more. Right. And we bring that same little girl piece to this and we think, oh, well, you know, th- this person needs nurturing, this person needs validation, mm-hmm. this person needs all this. And if I give it to them, then they'll like me. Right. Well, we have to learn to separate out from that and say, you know, that person is just not a nice person. And I don't care if they like me. I have
0: to separate myself from that to keep myself safe. It was so great to have, you know, it would have been a different experience had the Me Too movement happened while I was in that situation. But unfortunately, it was like four years later. And but it was great for that to happen. Because then I was, in some ways, I was able to really separate out the sexual harassment piece of it mm-hmm. and have the validation of, even though, I, do I need it? Have I and I talked about this stuff? Da, 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 da. But when you get in those psychological abuse situations, um, you, you do, you need that validation. It was so good for me to go, okay, anybody can say whatever they want about that relationship but I was being sexually harassed. He was putting his hands on me mm. in, 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 you know, in that situation. I was in a um, power down situation, you know, all the things that they talk about with, with me too. And that was really, that was uh, quite an eye opener for me to go, Oh, okay. Got it. Mm.
1: Yeah. Well, it, it exists out there. And if we've been predisposed by our younger life to be comfortably uncomfortable in those relationships, (laughs) then it's really a good idea, as I said earlier, to wake up and smell the herbal tea. Right. Exactly. And that process
0: of waking up can take quite some time. It sure can. It's like cleaning lenses. You know, they're Cleaning. thick picture the picture. Your glasses are completely black, and that's your childhood. Mm-hmm. And over the course of your life, and different relationships, and so on, just a li- they're a little bit clear, and a little bit clearer, and a little bit clearer. It's a progression.
1: Yeah, it's a very good metaphor because you can you can allow someone you you yourself can put things on those glasses when you get scared or when you think that you're not allowed to think thoughts about whether that person is a, is appropriate you know, like, who am I to judge them? Maybe I'll find a way around them. Maybe if I nurture them enough, they will feel loved and then they won't behave that way. Maybe if I tell them how wonderful they are and how, what a great job they're doing, and I'll always be there to support them, that they will stop being nasty to me. No, they won't. It's not about you. Right. It's about them.
0: Right. Very, very true. Very true. Well, I had this come up to me today with um, a, another guest, and he described the process of healing from uh, a hijackle in an interesting way that I actually felt some relief about, and I wanted to get your opinion on it. Um, he said, Listen, the way I look at um, my mother, meaning his mother, he writes a lot about. Um, toxic relationships with your mother, a mother who's a hijackal. And he said, what helps me through a lot of work was to get to a place where I just realized that my, that she's not going to stop doing what she does. She's not capable of stopping. It's like me expecting a dog um, to not be a dog, or, or better said, it's like me um, saying that my dog that just peed on the carpet in my house did it on purpose to get at me. That's not a reality. So he was just saying when I when I was able to look at her and realize she is incapable of being any different than how she mm-hmm. is. Uh, and my expectation and anger and so on at her, which I'm allowed to be angry at the behavior. I'm allowed to be away from it. But the what I was torturing myself with was the being aghast at her behavior. And when I realized she can't behave differently, it kind of let me um, give myself some rest and some peace about the relationship. So what do you think of that?
1: Oh, I absolutely think that that's the case. It's like looking at somebody and saying, "Oh, you have no legs and arms," and I, and I don't all this time I've been wondering why you haven't run a marathon, <laughs> right? Um, and and now all of a sudden, I see that to run a marathon, is impossible for you. It's just impossible for you, so anything that I believed that was true about you because I believed that you could and should be running a marathon, is not is, is, is erased. My expectations have to change. There will be no marathon. And let me give you another little piece from my own life. You know my, I'm an only child. I had two hijackal parents, a covert and an overt.
0: <laughs> Woohoo! Same here, got it <laughs> and For
1: those people who don't know my term hijackles, Here's the definition A hijackal is a person who hijacks a relationship For his or her own purposes And then relentlessly scavenges it For power, status, and control So I had these two parents Who, sh- in my opinion I'm very grateful for my life But if we were choosing the parents of the year They'd get no award And So my father died first and he died at home and my mother and I looked after him. And then five years later, my mother fell ill and I looked after her uh, and made sure she was taken care of and she wanted to die at home. And we did all of that. So after she died, I At the time, I owned a holistic health and and yoga uh, retreat center, and I had my private practice there. So I took all my mother's photographs, and I took all my photographs, and I made albums for my three children, from earliest in my mom's to latest in mine. And I was finished the project, took all day. And I'm sitting there on the yoga room floor, Kristen, and I'm thinking, you know, My mother told me at least once a week, if not 14 times, it's a good thing you're smart, young lady, because you're fat and ugly. So I thought, I'm going to go looking for evidence of fat and ugly. Well, maybe I'm misguided, but I couldn't find any. And so I'm sitting there thinking, whoa, that's really huge. And then here's where the penny dropped. And, you know, I've spoken all over the place. And every time I tell this story, women come up to me afterwards and say, oh, thank you for saying <laughs> that. So I'll share it with you. I was sitting there on the floor having this conversation with my head, in myself in my head. And then I realized three days before my mom died, I was sitting by her bed and I said, you know, mom, you've never told me you love me. She looked at me and she said, I know. That was the end of that conversation. (laughs) And so I am sitting there after all this on the yoga room floor, and I get it. There was a part of me that was waiting for her approval. And here's what I learned, Kristen. We cannot be waiting for the approval of people of whom we don't approve. Oh, I don't, didn't like her. She was mean. She was nasty. She was foul-mouthed. She was racist. She was everything I don't stand for. And there was a little girl part of me that was waiting for her approval. And on that day, when I realized I was waiting for the approval of someone of whom I don't approve, my life went,
0: when <laughs> woke up. Interesting. I'm going to ponder that one tonight for sure. Yeah, that is huge. That's huge. And everyone's going to have their own way that that manifests for them. But the statement still is profound, regardless of what your situation is. Mm -hmm. In some way or another, you're looking for that approval.
1: Well, you're looking for it because you've been trained to look for it. And Mm -hmm. so instead of making, you know, you've heard me say this before because we've spoken on air, but I believe there are three criteria Criteria for a healthy relationship of any kind, and they have to be present over time. They may not be in the beginning, but they have to become present over time. And that is equality, reciprocity, and mutuality. And if those things cannot exist when you get in a relationship, an adult to adult relationship with a parent, you start to realize, like, I should start looking at who that person is instead of who that person tells me I am. Oh, yeah. Right? And that's when you start to be able to do what I did, which is like, I don't even like her. Right? I didn't like what she stood for. She was manipulative. She was bitchy. She was, oh, I didn't ever want to be in her presence. And many times I took my children out of her presence immediately because she'd go sideways. But I was still hooked in at some level to wanting her approval. And when I knew I didn't want the approval of someone who I didn't approve of, huge freedom.
0: Well, I'll tell you, I mean, I I, I love having words around it because I love language and it makes it easy to get back to that place where you remember those words and how they apply to you. But I will say um, not having holidays happen Where I in no way feel guilty, shamed, um, obliged to make a phone call with a disagreeable person where nothing I do is enough. Mm -hmm. Not having to do that makes my holidays (laughs) fan-freaking-tastic. Yay!
1: (laughs) Exactly. And while we're on that, you know, I don't know when this is going to air, but while we're on that, remember... Hijackals must ruin holidays. Yeah, They've got to take all the air out of the room. They've got to make it all about them.com and they've got to make sure that you're unhappy. So if you just need one little acid test, just check to see if there's somebody in your life who has to ruin every holiday, whether that's your birthday or Thanksgiving or a child's birthday or whatever, they have to ruin it.
0: Yeah. Well, I noticed that with when I'd spend time with my son, and it's at his place under the influence of just him and me being there, we have amazing times, amazing visits. But every time he came home to Grandma, we would fight. Mm-hmm. And I and I got I came to the realization of oh, she needs to cause that division. That's her doing.
1: Right, because then she's more powerful than you Mm -hmm. and she can ruin the relationship and
0: they don't care nope, nope, as long as there's drama yeah, the fan fascinating okay, say that saying one more time I no longer need the
1: approval of someone of whom I do not approve Mm,
0: profound simple yet profound isn't it amazing how it takes us these long journeys to get to the simplest thing ever. (laughs) Right. And, you know, that's 30 years ago. My mother died.
1: You know, that was a moment of freedom. You know, I already had my children. I had the career. I had all of this, but just sitting there and having that profound moment was like somebody just burst a balloon that will never be intact again.
0: Mm, Wonderful. Yeah. Well, listeners, I want to make sure that you listen to Dr. Shaler's show. She's got many. One of them is on the network, Save Your Sanity. It's amazing. Uh, where else can they find you and where can they, you know, get on these groups and take your courses and all those things, those amazing things that you do to hear more profound wisdom?
1: <laughs> well, thank you. Yes, you could come to my website. It is 4, for f o r. Relationship Help, H-E-L-P.com, for P.com, forrelationshiphelp.com. And you can go to my YouTube channel and subscribe. It is also called For Relationship Help. And when you're on my website, you will see the podcasts, and each one has a page, and you can subscribe right there. You can listen to many episodes, and of course, hear me on Mental Health News Radio Network, where the Save Your Sanity show is carried, and I'm so grateful that it is.
0: <laughs> and your classes. You, you do classes as well, so tell, tell our listeners. I do,
1: yes. If people want to interact with me, you can do that. I I have groups on Facebook, but I don't interact there very much anymore because they're on my website. And you can find those at com slash ESC. ESC stands for Emotional Savvy Circle. You can come and be part of that. And for... A very small amount of money, the cost of a latte every month, $5, you can be part of the discussion group where it's safe. Nobody can see you belong to it the way yeah. you can on Facebook. And it's
0: not controlled by Facebook.
1: Not controlled by Facebook. And also then you receive for that $5, you receive that 21 Steps to Empowered Emotional Savvy email course over 47 days. Nice. And you can upgrade to $15 a month and get on my group, Ask Me Anything. Call every month, and there's another level where you can have my monthly webinars as well. So, if you want to interact with me and get what I believe to be quality information that will help <laughs> you,
0: um, go to fourrelationshiphelp.com. Fantastic! Thank you so much for coming back on and for being my friend and also sharing your your wisdom with me on the business side of things.
1: Oh, well, thank you. I enjoy every minute we spend together, and this has been fun.
0: (laughs) Thank you, listeners, for tuning in to another edition of Mental Health News Radio.
1: I't hate on you
0: After all we Hi, this is Dr. Paul Meyer, founder of the National Chain of Meyer Clinics. I've often told you about how people just like you are getting the healing that they need from emotional issues like depression, anxiety, anger problems, and relational problems. We wanted to share with you Mickey's experience at our day program and how it has affected his life. The Meyer clinics has
1: been a real blessing to me. Dr. Meyer told me that people get well here and my life has been completely changed. I have been symptom free for three years and I'd recommend it to anybody that really wants to overcome an emotional problem of
0: any kind. Mickey's story is like so many others that we receive. It's an encouragement to us, and we hope it will also be an encouragement to you to call us to get the emotional help that you've needed. Please call toll free eight 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 seven clinic to be connected to the Meyer Clinic program nearest you. That's 1-888-7 C L I N I C or go to Meyerclinics.com. That's ww.meierclinics.com.